Welcome to Rebuilding. This podcast is designed to help the church rebuild its walls one person at a time. For more information, check us out at www.piercepoint.org. If you guys have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I know we are in Ephesians chapter 1. We are still in this series called Knowing Jesus. That's where we're going to be today, and it's week 2. But in order to kind of get us where we need to go, I want to... I'll do a little bit of recap from last week. I'll do a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of further explanation as to something important that I think we need to understand, and then we're going to get into the kind of focus of the wisdom and revelation that we need uh, in the knowledge of God, and that is specifically the hope of His calling. The reason why we need to know the hope of God's calling inside of our life is because when you start to understand what God has called you to, not just what God has saved you from, but when you understand what God has called you to, it begins to change everything because you start to see God in the right light. You start to see Him as gracious. You start to see Him as merciful. You start to see Him as kind, and maybe it's in a way that you've never seen him before, but this only comes when we have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That comes, uh, as we read in Ephesians chapter 1, this is something that Paul prays for. But here's what I want you to see as we lead into this, and it was a question that I got this week over the, over the blog and over the email, and, uh, and I think it's really uh, important to our progress in moving forward. Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 12 says. It says, now we have received not a spirit of the world. You've not received a spirit of the world. You had a spirit within you, right? You had the breath of God within you. That's all fine and good. But this is not what we received when we became Christians. We received something so much more. You did not receive a spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Who would that be, church? The Holy Spirit, okay? So the Holy Spirit comes on those who believe so that, and this is a really important thing that we need to understand, and this is going to set the stage for the rest of the series too, and it'll really help you guys out, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. We need the Spirit of God within us to understand the very things that have been given to us, church. We need the Spirit of God. Listen, we don't have carnal minds any longer. I mean, we may wrestle with that. We may may feel tempted to go back to the flesh, but the truth is that we've been given a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, I told you guys last week, God is as vast as an ocean and we are as deep as a thimble. So, So at any given time, even if we're filled to the brim, we don't contain all that God is. And the Christian life is a race to the back of the line. The Christian life is is us trying to serve and serve and serve. So we're filled up to be poured out, right? We say this kind of stuff all the time. So we're filled up to be poured out. But here's the deal. We've been given a spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Look what Paul says next. He says, which things we also speak. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining thoughts, spiritual thoughts, with spiritual words. This is what you need to understand. When we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, it is twofold. It is twofold what you need. 
the, the charismatic or the Pentecostal side of things is often looking for an experience. And, and there are great things in that, right? We need to not rule out experience, okay? And so in that side, we want an experience. And sometimes the Spirit of God uh, indwells, well, He indwells us at salvation. But sometimes the Spirit of God begins to change us and begins to fill us, maybe to an extra measure. I don't really understand how it all works. Read Acts chapter 4. You'll find out that the very same apostles that were filled on the day of Pentecost were filled again in Acts chapter 4. The same apostles, not new Christians, but the same apostles because we're to be filled, to be poured out, right? That's kind of the point of this. So the reality is we need these things. But here's the deal. We've got experience on one side. When we hear Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 that we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation, there is something we need to understand. But here's where we can't fall short. We are given a spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand. We are given the spirit of God and all the measures that's come so that we may know the things that are freely given to us as well as the things that have for ages past been freely given to us. Guess what those things are? The words of God. Please don't be one of those Christians that look so much for experience and so much for an encounter with the Spirit of God that you miss the Spirit who inspired these words. See, that's the problem. The problem is we go to one side, one extreme to the other. We either want to sit here and say, God's going to figure this thing out and I'm going to understand this just through the words that I see on this page. How many of you know many people read the Bible and miss the God of the Bible? Duh, right? So guess what? Spiritual words, but they need spiritually discerned. And spiritual discernment is to discern spiritual words, not your own made-up nonsense. You don't get the right to just make up anything you want. You don't. God has spoken to us. And so Paul tells us, he says, so that we may know the things freely given to us. Past tense. These things were given to us. Paul's the one who makes the argument for uh, the the resurrection, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. He was appealing to the scriptures, the Old Testament. And so they were given to us, and it's really important. And Paul goes on and says, the things which we also speak. The very words that Paul is declaring, and the words that we have now, because we are 2,000 years removed from the first century church. We have the word of God. We have the New Testament. These are spirit-inspired words. Don't neglect the spirit. Don't neglect the Spirit by ignoring the book. Please, don't do so. So, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. He goes on in verse 14. He says this, But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. The word appraised here means spiritually discerned. Another common belief inside of the church is that we should throw reason out the window. The God of reason gave you the ability to reason. You need the Spirit of God within you as a Christian, and whatever measure that he wants you to have to understand new and amazing things in his word, you need those things in order to reason and understand what he said. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are to rightly divide the word of truth. Guess what that means? Guess what that implies? People wrongly divide it all the time. So you have to rightly divide the word of truth. Guess how you do that? You use reason. You use spirit-empowered reason. You use the spirit that's within you. And you discern things. 
You discern things. We must, must, must understand this, okay? So when the Apostle Paul says, I'm praying for you to be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he is praying for two things. He is praying for one, that you would have the spirit within you that helps you understand what the spirit inspired with what was already given to you. So understand this. You don't get to divorce the Bible from the Holy Spirit. And you don't get to divorce the opposite, right? You don't get to just have the Bible and no Holy Spirit. They are one. They have worked this together, okay? Or at least the Spirit has worked out the Bible. It's really important. Jesus says the same thing. Look at what John 6, 63 tells us. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are, say it with me, church, spirits and our life. The words that Jesus spoke, guess what they are? Their spirit and their life. We can't rule these things out. These things are spiritually appraised. They're spiritually discerned, but they're spiritual words. And we have to understand this. It's really important, church, that we go forward understanding that we're praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that comes from the word of God. Why? Because the same Apostle Paul that prayed for a spirit of wisdom and revelation defined what he meant by that revelation, and then he went and explained it in the Bible. He didn't say, I'm not going to explain it. You just wait on the Holy Spirit and let him show up. He taught it. But the Spirit of God has to make these things understandable to you. He has to make these things true inside of your heart. He has to make these things applicable for your life. Okay? So it's important when we're praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, we're praying for two things. We're praying that the spirit of God would dwell within us in a mighty way so that we can understand and discern and appraise that which God has already given to us through his word. Amen. So check this out. This is where we started last week. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Paul says, I pray that. I pray that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, say it with me, church, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is what he goes on to explain. This is what he says that spirit is. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. Number one, hope of his calling. The, the spirit of wisdom and revelation to reveal to you the knowledge of God is number one, the hope of his calling. Because when we understand the hope of God's calling, not just his calling, not just that we're saved from hell, but that we're saved to life, we're saved to uh, holiness and to righteousness. When we understand what we're saved to, it begins to give us a better picture of who God is. We start to see him as a God who loves us and cares for us in a deep way, right? So I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you will know what is the will of his, uh, what is the hope of his calling. Number one. Number two, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, I don't know about you, but I love this idea of, of uh, experiencing rich glory within an inheritance. Okay? Something super special, something very big, something amazing. But God specifically says through the Apostle Paul that it happens within the confines of his saints. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? I'm still wondering how Jacob is a blessing to me, but that's for another time, right? No, he's, he's an awesome blessing to me. You want to tell him? Six years ago to this day, Jacob stood up on the high school stage and preached his first sermon. 
six years ago to this day. That was pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. And it was so bad, we've never let him speak since. Anyway, no, I'm messing with you. Okay, so I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you will know what it is, the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and then the third thing that he goes on to say. He says, and what is the surpassing greatness of God's power, of his power towards us who believe? That's a big deal, right? How many of you want to know what God's surpassing power is, what God's great power is? Paul wrote about it. You just need the Spirit of God to explain it to you. Paul wrote about it, Spirit-inspired words, pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You can't expect to experience a spirit of wisdom and revelation through inspired pages when you won't open your Bible. Smile. Okay? Also, you can't expect to understand those things unless... The Spirit of God is working within you because why? Because they're spiritual words that are spiritually discerned. It's twofold. Make sure you understand what's happening. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on this little phrase here, hope of his calling. Did you like that? That was amazing. Like that, like we couldn't have planned that if we tried. But I was doing this and all of a sudden Ryan's like, the Spirit of God is telling me. No, anyway, so that was amazing. Oh, I highlighted things. Anyway, tag on it. I love you, Ryan. Anyway, so, okay, what we're going to talk about today is the hope of his calling. See, see what you get? <laughs> still surprised any of you still come to this church. Anyway, so, so anyway, so the hope, the hope of his calling. This is what we're going to talk about today. But here's how we're going to go about it. We're going to start by talking about the general hope of God's calling. We're going to talk about this as Paul has described it in many other passages. We're going to look in Romans. We're going to look in, uh, in Timothy. And we're going to look in Peter and different places. But uh, we're going to look at what the hope of our calling is according to the same Apostle Paul in these different locations. And then as we wrap up, I want to, tell you, I want to share with you the hope of the calling that Paul intends to communicate, that he teaches throughout the rest of the book of Ephesians. And I believe that that will help you and empower you. So without further ado, hope of our calling, let's start here with Romans chapter 8, 28. Here's what he says. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are, say it with me church, called according to his purpose. God works all things together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. This is, a, this is a hope of our calling, just so you know. The promise is not made to the rest of the world that God works all things together for their good. Do you know that? God works all things together for the good of those who love him, those who are submitted to him, those who are yielded to his spirit inside of their life. And here's what's amazing. When you start to read your scriptures, when you start to understand the heart of God, you start to understand that even the bad stuff of life, that God is working for your good, right? even the bad stuff is producing this eternal weight of glory, this beautiful thing that, that lasts forever. For example, one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience, right? And, and I laugh because none of us here by show of hands last time are patient people. But the reality is God is calling us to patience. He wants us to be this. Guess how patience is wrought in your life? Through long suffering, right? This is why the prosperity gospel, this is why the health and wealth gospel is absolute nonsense. Because you can't come to an understanding, a temperance of suffering and through that suffering unless you go through that 
suffering. You cannot do it. The Apostle Paul actually prays that he would uh, understand, that he would have a revelation and understanding of the knowledge of the suffering of Christ. How many of you ready to sign up for that? See, it never gets preached. Anyway, so okay. So I want a fellowship in your suffering, Lord. Nobody wants that. But this is the promise of God. He works all things together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. He works, the, he works out the people that have betrayed you to teach you lessons. He works out the people that have walked away from you to teach you humility. He teaches you so many things, even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. I don't know that we like that, and I understand why we don't like that. But it's true. God works all things together. One of the hopes of our calling, church, is that I have nothing to worry about, that even the worst stuff coming my way, God is working for my good. Amen? It's huge. Okay. Or huge, as the president says. Okay, Romans 8, 29. He goes on. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. In case you're a person that gets hung up on predestination, look at what God predestined you for. He predestined you for sanctification. He predestined you so that you would be conformed to the image of his son. Not that you would go to heaven and some schmuck would go to hell, okay? To the image of his son so that he would be firstborn among many brethren. Why does Jesus want us to be conformed to the image of his son? Because we're a family that is worthy of the father. Think about that for a second. Jesus is worthy. And he wants us to be in that same place. So he molds us and he shapes us and he conforms us. Now it goes on. After this, it says, and these whom he predestined, he also, say it with me, church, called. Okay, awesome. He called you. Well, it's great. Jesus called you. So what? Well, there's more to it, right? There's a calling, there, or there's a benefit to the calling. There are things that happen that come because of this. This is what we would define as the hope of the calling. So those he also called, and those whom he called, he also say it, justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Think about this. The hope of your calling. The God of the universe who calls you for God only knows what reason. Okay? Listen, I know that it's a popular teaching today and, and I, I've heard it a lot and I just have such reservations with this teaching. It, it frustrates me. The teaching is that the cross reveals your value, reveals your worth. It's not true. It's not true. The cross reveals the mercy of God. Romans tells us, listen to this, Romans tells us in Romans 5, it says that maybe, maybe, just maybe, in life, somebody might die for a righteous person. Okay? A righteous person. What is a righteous person? person who's right, a person who stands right with God. Maybe, just maybe, somebody might die for a righteous person. Goes on after that, and it says this, and this is, this is offensive to some people because it just, they've been taught weird. But anyway, so it says, for a righteous man, God, or the people rarely will die. For a good person, someone might, maybe, sort of, dare to die. But God showed his love in this. That while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Make sure you see the, the order. You weren't a righteous person. You weren't a good person. You sucketh. King James, okay? <laughs> I, it's important, right? You weren't righteous. You weren't good. You were a sinner. If 
Christ dies for your inherent worth, this diamond in the rough, this little piece that's hidden inside of there, then it's not grace anymore. Listen to me, church, please. If God dies because of your value, then your value caused him to die. He died out of his kindness, out of his mercy, out of his love. It was not because you were righteous, you weren't. It's not because you were even good, you weren't. It was because of his mercy. And guess what happens when we put that in the right order? Spiritual words that are spiritually discerned. When we put that in the right order, guess what happens? God is glorified and not you. God is glorified and not me. It's not about me. I'm astounded every day, not that God loved me because I'm lovable. I try to convince myself that all the time, right? You're smart enough, you're good enough, and doggone it, people like you. I try it. The mirror never tells me that back, okay? It's not true. But every day, I'm astounded by this fact. Because of God's mercy, I live. Because of God's mercy, I live. Church, that will forever wreck you. And every day of your life, you will get on your knees and you will say, I love you, Lord. I do not deserve you. Why did God love us enough to die? Because God is love. Because God is love. It's a part of his mercy. The scriptures tell us, this is amazing, Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to study it on your own, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that God does not just bestow grace on us. God lavishly bestows grace on us. Think about that just for a second. He doesn't just bestow grace on you. He lavishly displays grace. Here's the example of the lavish display of God's grace. No, back one more, Ryan, sorry. Those whom he called, he also justified. What does it mean to be justified? It means that you stand right before God. It means that there's a reason for you being wherever you are. Have you ever gone into somewhere without a membership card and you didn't belong there? What happened in your mind when you were in a place you did not belong, in a place in which you were not justified to be? You kept looking over your shoulder, didn't you? You're like, when's the shoe going to drop? What's going to happen? When are they going to kick me out? And that was just Sam's Club last week. But anyway, so <laughs> the idea is you, you wonder how this kind of thing works, okay? But, but here's the truth. When you're justified, what happens? Well, here, here's my card. Here's my card. Here's what Jesus did through his blood. He justified you. This is why we don't cower and grovel to the throne of grace. This is why scripture says we boldly approach the throne of grace. Think about that, church. That's a huge deal. Do we deserve it? No, we weren't righteous. We weren't good. We were, meh, okay? We don't deserve it. But we get to boldly approach the throne of grace. For some of you, you just need a quick warning. That is, stop brashly approaching the throne of grace. God doesn't owe you anything. He loves the humble and rejects the proud. Stop being brash about this nonsense. But you're justified. You have the membership card. It's because of Jesus. You don't have to look over your shoulder. It's powerful. But then let's look at this. This is amazing. He justifies you. And those whom he justified, he also... What? What? No way. This is just nonsense. Think about the prodigal son story. This young son takes his inheritance and he runs off and he squanders it. You know what he squandered it on? Things we can't talk about in church. Anyway, so, so he squanders his inheritance. He, does all, he blows this whole thing and he comes back. But his father in his, mer in his mercy, it's so powerful. His father in his mercy, he loves his son and he justifies him. How does he justify him? He brings him back, puts a robe on his shoulders, puts a ring on his fingers and puts sandals on his feet. But he doesn't stop there. 
he then throws him a daggone party. You and I both know why the older brother's mad. We know full well why the older brother's mad. Because this kind of love doesn't make sense. And to God alone is the glory given because of this kind of love. He called us. He justified us. You don't have to look over your shoulders. You get in. It's great. And then on top of that, he glorifies you. He throws you a party. That's fantastic, isn't it? So guess what the spirit of wisdom and revelation taught us through the word of God? It taught us the hope of his calling. Guess what the spirit inside you is trying to confirm within your heart? The hope of his calling. He's trying to teach you these kind of things because he wants you to understand how big he is. Not how big you are, but how big he is. Let's go to Colossians. Same apostle Paul. Ephesians 1. Sorry, Ryan. That was odd. See, we had that one moment, and it was like... We're connected, right? And then I'm like, yeah, screw it. Anyway, so, okay, so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Only reason that I bring this scripture up, and we're going to see it at the end again. Only reason I bring this up is because you weren't righteous, you weren't good, you were a sinner. Christ saved you because of mercy. In light of that, in light of that calling and the hope of that calling, what are you called to do? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you are called. You do not get to sin that grace might abound. You don't have that right any longer. You have surrendered it. You've said, I can't believe how wretched I was before. Not only has my father called me back to the house, not only has he given me my ring, my robe, and my sandals, not only has he thrown me a party, but he wants me to stay forever, and I'm going to in honor of him. That's what this is all about, church. This is not about legalism. It's not about churchyism. It's not about anything. It's about God's great, immense love, the one to whom all glory is given. We are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called now, Colossians. Apostle Paul says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. What's the hope of our calling here? Peace of Christ. How many of you would say in life you really wish you had peace? Be honest with me. Stop lying to me right off the bat, right? You wish there's an area of your life and you're like, I just, I, I seem to be lacking it. Listen, you need a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God so that he can reveal to you the hope of your calling. One of the hopes of your calling is that you would have the peace of Christ because here's the truth. You're justified and God will one day glorify you. So what do you have to worry about? It's not a trite statement. I wouldn't say that. I'm not saying that so that Bob goes to, uh, goes to surgery tomorrow and goes, hey, it's not that big of a deal. I don't want God, Bob to go home tonight and say, I'm not weeping tears before my God that he would redeem me and that he would heal me and that he would set me free from this sickness and this disease. No, I understand anxiety. I understand that it's possible. I understand that God gives allowance for it, but he calls us to do something with it, and that is to cast it on him, right? To cast our anxieties on him so that we might have this, the peace of Christ. Acknowledge what you're anxious about. Acknowledge what you're frustrated about. Acknowledge what is going on. And then throw it, cast it, launch it at Jesus. And when you do this, this is what's supposed to happen. And it can happen. It's the hope of our calling. Amazing. 
So the Apostle Paul goes on in 1 uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the, say it with me, church, eternal life to which you were called. And, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is fun questions because these are the questions I ask when I'm studying God's word. Who's Paul writing to? He's writing to Christians. Are they alive or dead? Sounds dumb. Are they alive or dead? They're alive. Duh. They're alive. This is really important, but look at what he says. He says, to living people take hold of eternal life. What? What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Who is our life, church? Jesus Christ. Take hold of eternal life. You take hold of the truth of who Jesus is. You take hold of the things that Jesus has taught you. You take hold of the plans he has for you. You take hold of Jesus. Fight the good fight of faith. You're in a battle here, people. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of that Jesus, that eternal life to which you were called because you were called to be one in him. We're going to see this in Ephesians later. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You made a good confession of whom? Jesus. He is the eternal life to which you are to take hold of. So, so what do we have so far? We've got justification. We've got glorification. We've got the peace of God. And we've got taking hold of eternal life. Even now. That is powerful, church. That's powerful. So he goes on. First Timothy goes, and then now First Peter. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. Can you guys say that with me real quick? <laughs> Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. Now I'm going to get the stubborn ones. Come on, one more time. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. Right? But giving a blessing instead. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Oh, we give blessings all right. They're through gritted teeth, don't we? God bless you, right? That's what we do all the time. That's not what he's talking about, okay? Don't return evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead, for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. If God is a God of blessing, who must his people be? A people of blessing, right? Think about that. Not repaying evil for evil or insult for insult, so I'm just gonna let what Sean said to me earlier today just go on by. Bless you, Sean. No, he didn't say anything to me, right? But we are, we are called for the very purpose. The hope of our calling is to inherit a blessing. That blessing is life. That blessing is sanctification. It's glorification. It's justification. That's, that blessing is peace in Christ Jesus. That blessing is unbelievable. I think all the way back to the point in the Old Testament when the, the Israelites are standing on two mountains and one shouts out the curses and one shouts out the blessings. And then I realize what God is talking about when he says all of our, all the promises, all of the promises of God, all the blessings of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Everything that was stated here within its context, everything stated here is yes and amen in Jesus. We have life in Jesus. We have peace in Jesus. We have hope in Jesus. We have all of these things. We were meant for a blessing, to inherit a blessing. Peter goes on to say this, 1 Peter 5.10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, there's one hope of your calling, your glory that comes after justification is not temporal, it is eternal. Eternal glory in Christ Jesus. And here's the fourfold thing that God gives us as a hope of our calling. He will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
God will himself teleos. God will himself mature you. God will himself do that. How does he do it, church? Through the Bible and the Spirit of God. Spiritual words that are spiritually discerned. You can't have one without the other. They aren't divorced in God's mind. They shouldn't be divorced in our. So God himself is, is making us perfect. What does the scripture say? We just got off a series about this. God has given to the church gifts for the common good of the church to build up the church. Pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists and all this crazy stuff that goes on. All of it is for your good to build you up to what? Unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a teleos, to a mature individual. God himself is doing it, but he often does it through really strangely natural seeming means. He does it through his people. He does it through his word. He does it through human words, but they're spiritual in nature. Isn't that amazing? We can't, we can't divorce these things. Too many in the church fight over this nonsense, and it's, a, it's exhausting. So he himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establishes you. These are the hopes of our calling, right? We're justified. We're glorified. We enter into the peace of Christ Jesus. We were made for a blessing. We were made for a blessing. We are called to be perfect, confirmed, strengthened, and established. That's the hope of our calling. But what was Paul talking about in Ephesians? What was Paul referring to when he said this? Look again at what Ephesians says. First, verse 1. Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So do the stuff because God redeemed you, not because of you. You're not righteous, you're not good, he is merciful, okay? Walk in, the, in a manner of the call with which you have been called. He goes on in verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. What was going on in Ephesus? The struggle in Ephesus where there were people encroaching on their belief, saying, unless you follow the laws of Moses, unless you do this and unless you do that, you cannot be saved. Same exact Judaizing issue that was happening in Galatia. The same thing had moved in, okay? And so these Christians were weary. What were they weary about? Are we really Christians? Are we really saved? Uh, they're fighting us. Should we be fighting them back? And Paul says, no, 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 no. You maintain with humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance. You maintain the bond, uh, the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Listen, church, it doesn't matter what other people say. They can point at you and say, you're not a follower of Jesus. If this says you're a follower of Jesus, you win. Okay? Okay? Serious. If this says you're a follower of Jesus, if this confirms the fruit in your life, if this confirms the truth of who you are and your confession before the Lord, if this is the gospel that you have heard and you have understood and you have believed, then it doesn't really matter. And what you should do instead of picking a fight, instead of repaying evil for evil or an insult for insult, instead what you should do is you should with humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance to one another, preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. This is what's happening in Ephesus. But you're going to see what Paul calls them to, the hope of God's calling here in a second. Trust me, you're going to see the theme that goes on. Here it is. These are the final verses for today. There is one body. Say one body. One body. Awesome. He goes on. He says, and one spirit. Say one spirit. One spirit. One spirit. So, so hold on a second. Let, let's make sure we're clear on this. There's one body. Whose body is that? Christ Jesus. There's one spirit. Whose spirit is that? 
the Holy Spirit. There's not 45 different spirits. There's not a bunch of weird extra things that you have to jump through hoops to get. There's one body and there's one spirit. He goes on and he says this, just as you were called in, say it with me, church, one hope of your calling. What? Paul, we just read a lot of hopes of our calling. There's one hope that Paul wants them to understand. And you'll see it. The theme's already presented itself. The one hope of your calling. One Lord. Say it with me, church. One Lord. One faith. One faith. One baptism. One baptism. Not 45. One baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and in all and through all. The one hope of their calling was that they were united. The one hope of their calling is that they needed to worry about nothing in their life. They were not the non-Christians or the almost Christians. They were who they claimed to be. How do we know it? The Apostle Paul, who was at the genesis of Ephesians, uh, the, the church in Ephesus, who was there, he was the one who baptized them and Jesus laid his hands on them and they received the Spirit of God. He was the one who taught them for three years. He's the one who left and heard the letter of their faith and their love towards one another. Paul knows that he knows that he knows that they're Christians because Paul understands these words which are spiritually discerned he understands what God has said about his people and what they will be he preached it to them make sure you see it right and so because of this he encourages these people because if he just says you're called to be a Christian these people are going but there's people who say we're not but Paul says you're not just called to be a Christian you're called to experience the hope of your calling what is the hope of your calling that you are one, that the dividing wall of separation has been abolished, that there is neither Greek nor Jew, there is not slave nor free, there is not male nor female. We are one in Christ Jesus, and you're not alone. That's a fantastic reality. Listen, church, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, right? He said these words again. Look at these words. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, the very thing that I witnessed in Acts chapter 19. Paul lays his hands on them, right? But the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Oh yeah, which things we also speak. Paul is telling them, you're one, you're safe. You're justified. You will be glorified. You have the peace of Christ. You don't need to worry about these things. Here's the connection, though, church. The same Paul who prayed for a spirit of wisdom and revelation went on to explain what he wanted them to understand, which means these words are the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And yet he prays that the same spiritual truths are discerned spiritually that they be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they can understand them. It's important for all of us as we live out our life as Christians to understand God's word is amazing. There is nothing that's going to happen in your life. There's nothing that is going to go on in your life that this set of books, 66 books, do not speak to in some way. And for all of you out there that were raised in traditions of spirit-filling and charismatic life, don't panic. They were spirit-inspired too. Don't panic. You don't, you don't have to act like you're being human and you're just using man's wisdom and man's ideas. No, God has inspired these pages. 
God is the one who has written this to us. And he spoke that hope to us. How many of you are happy with that kind of hope to your calling? Guess what? We don't know that unless we read the pages of Scripture. We don't know. We're just guessing at best. Just winging it. I think God's calling for me is that he's going to give me a new airplane, Jesse DePlantis. <laughs> I'm twitching. Sorry, I'm twitching. Anyway, so, but the point, the point is, God's word showed you what he wanted to do. And his spirit brings that to life inside of you. As we move on in this series next week, we're going to talk uh, about the glorious riches of the inheritance in the saints. Paul's going to explain it to us. But we're going to need his spirit to explain it to us, right? To make it alive to us. Paul's going to go on to talk about the immense power of God towards those who believe. And he's going to go on to teach about the immense power towards those who believe through spirit-inspired words. But we're going to need that spirit of wisdom and revelation so it becomes true inside of us. Amen? This is a huge deal, church. So I want to encourage you. I want you to go home today. And I want you to sit down. And I want you to open your Bible. I want you to dial it up on your phone. Whatever it is that you do. I don't really care about the form, right? But what I want you to do is I want, to dial, I want you to dial it up and I want you to look at the words on that page and just begin to thank God that those words are spiritually inspired for your benefit, for your growth, for your uh, progress inside of the Christian life. It's a big deal, church. Listen, I don't tell you to read your Bible. I've, I say this every week. I don't tell you to read your Bible because I want you to be a religious bunch of goofballs. You're already there. No, I'm just messing with Anyway, I, I don't, that's not what I want you to be. What I want you to be is a people who listen to the Spirit, who inspires teaching to change our lives. I want you to be close to the Father. I want you to be close to what He says. I want you to be yielded to Him. Amen? This is what God has called us to. And if we'll do it, life will be good. Amen? Stand with me. God, this balance is, is oftentimes hard, and it's made hard because of our traditions and our backgrounds and our, and our upbringing. I ask, Lord, that you would begin to, those that are unhealthy, those, those traditions that are unhealthy, I ask, Lord, that you would begin as, as the gardener, as the, as the good physician, maybe, to extract those things that are bad for us that you'd begin to reveal the inconsistencies of them, that you'd begin to pull them out, and that, Lord, you would, you would fill that void, that, that space that we put tradition in. in, in. Uh, I ask, Lord, that you would fill that space with a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And I ask, Lord, that we would go uh, to your word to understand it, to, to read it, to, to be shown that. And I ask that we would go to you um, as a means of, of making that real inside of our hearts, of teaching us what maybe our brains don't get all the time. I ask, Lord, that you would help us through community, that it's not just a guy in his closet with his Bible and he's got his own understanding, but God, through community, we would shape one another. The Father, less and less of us would be arguing and fighting over certain things, but rather having good discussions and talking about things out in the open and understanding the, 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 the beauty of what it is that you've called us to. Father, I ask that you would help us to understand what Ephesians 4 says and that, and that if we don't have the maturity or if we don't have the understanding, that over time you too will reveal that 
to us as well. And so I ask for patience. I ask for patience for us as we learn the truth of your word. Father, we want to go from here today uh, reading the spirit of wisdom and revelation as inspired in the scriptures and inviting your spirit of wisdom and revelation into our hearts and minds at all times so that, we, uh, so that those words can be confirmed in our hearts. We praise you and we thank you for all that you do. Thanks so much for listening to Rebuilding from Pierce Point Community Church. We hope that today's podcast will help you become a more connected part of Christ's body. Remember to check out our website at piercepoint.org for more information.